Welcome to Unconditional Love with Bishop Malcolm Smith. This is episode 116, Unshakable. For more information and more teachings by Malcolm Smith, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads, please visit www.malcolmsmith.org. And now, Bishop Malcolm Smith. Fall is upon us, and I welcome the coolness of the day. That sometimes the heat of the spiritual world, um, we would never enter the fall. Um, I, I want to address today the this walk of such a life that we can speak of it in terms of rejoice and be glad at all times. And I want to read from a few verses that David wrote in Psalm number 16. And here he is making a report. It's in Psalm number 16, verse 8, and it begins with, I have. And so I have, he is telling us, this is what I have done. This is his report. And at the same time, having reported, it's his testimony of how this all worked out, what he has done. And it is for days of intense heat of evil that oppresses and seeks to crush. Verse 8, he says, I have set the Lord continually before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices, my flesh also will dwell securely. Okay, I, this is such a fantastic psalm, we could have read the first seven verses and the last but I want to zero in just on these, which in one sense is the very beating heart of what he's saying. Um, I, I was asked, some of you wrote and asked that we speak on peace and reported in life of uh, anxiety on all sides and before I go any further, let me say this. First of all, this word shaken, I will not be shaken. And that is a Hebrew expression. You'll find it all through the Psalms and elsewhere, but especially in the Psalms. The righteous shall not be shaken and so on. And this word describes to the Hebrew mind the state of anxiety where everything is being shaken and um, life sometimes feels that it's collapsing in on itself. Sometimes it's translated, I shall not be moved. Moved, same idea. I'm not going to be pushed out of the way. And here, it's not only that I shall not have anxiety, but also he adds to it this that uh, because um, of what he's going to tell us, he says, therefore, my heart is glad, my glory, that, that is my innermost being in Christ, my glory, he said, that, that rejoices. And, and so, number one, this text is answering the call for teachers how to live in the midst of fears 
and anxieties. But the second thing before we plunge into this, because um, many people uh, look upon what is happening in life uh, these days, um, here especially in the United States, but I would say throughout the Western world, they, they use the language that it is an attack of the wicked one. Uh, Satan is attacking. Now, I want you to hear me very carefully. As essentially, no. Oh, yeah, if we go to what is attacking, what is the cause behind what is happening in so many lives, yes, if you go back far enough, it is evil. But it is evil that is implanted in certain places that can then have great effect upon you. And so persons report the losing of their jobs and the, the hardness of the way and the lack and so on. And so that's an attack of the evil. No, I want you to realize there are millions right now in all hemispheres, in all countries around the world that are experiencing exactly what you are experiencing. Let me tell you what the real temptation is and how Satan uses such situations as this. Um, the situation you see uh, is the common lot of mankind right now. Um, the situation is caused by um, directives of government. But the temptation, you want to see what Satan does in this and that is to move us by the awful distraction and shaking around us. The real temptation is to move us to live apart from and outside of the relationship that we have to God the Father through Jesus Christ. And that's really it. It would be true to say that that is the only temptation and it is within everything else we call temptation. And of course in the New Testament the word temptation is in the Greek language the same word as trial. And so whether you're speaking of a trial you're going through, a temptation that is accosting you, understand that somewhere in there the real temptation is that you will be drawn off, distracted, to begin to live independently uh, of the strength that is yours in Christ, to live with your Father God in the margins of your life, and essentially to see yourself and to allow the flesh feelings that say you are alone in this mess. And if Satan can get you there, to that mentality, then the temptation was, yes, you, you felt the temptation. It, it may, the temptation may have many faces, but that's what it's really all about. Jesus was tempted in exactly the same way in the wilderness, to act independently of his Father, to act as if that he in his own strength could determine and act and bring to pass a good end. It's, and, and so th this, these texts that David is now sharing with us, he is showing to us 
that the very heart of life itself, the very heart of living above and beyond anxiety, in fact, a life of joy and rejoicing is to live in continual realization of your covenant union with God. And we know through the new covenant that union is through Christ, the blood of Christ, the blood of the everlasting covenant. And that is actualized in us. The new covenant is the covenant of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit actualizes that in us day after day. Okay, so David begins with his report. He says, I have set the Lord continually before me. I have set the Lord. Okay, I'm coming back to what I just said. This is of such importance. I have set the Lord. For there are many persons who would look for some formula secret to life that if I do this and do that, if I uh, say this and don't say that, and so on and so on, the formulas and, and the rules, if I keep the rules then. And, and, and so we, we have this mentality of um, peace or freedom from anxiety and fear and joy as, as a sort of thing over here. And that thing can be gained and grabbed if I follow a certain formula or if I do this and don't do that. No, right from the get-go, David zeroes us in on the reality that this is a relationship with the supreme person, the Lord, the person. In the Old Testament, the, the word Lord in, in capital letters is the anglicizing way of, of saying the very personal name of God, which in the Hebrew language is something like Yahweh. Certainly it translates out as I am, I be, I be, I am that I am. The one who is in himself life, the one who is in himself being, and that life and that being is love. Yahweh, the one that in the New Testament we come to know as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That this person. And when the Old Testament speaks of Yahweh, uh, the Lord, it, it many times speaks about the name of the Lord which, of course, Yahweh is the name of the Lord. And it speaks of the name, the name of the Lord. Uh, God speaks of saying, there I will place my name. We run into the name of the Lord. We call on the name of the Lord. Um, the covenant name. He gave that name to Israel as a cherished treasure, a possession he gave them his name, which was saying, I give you my presence. I give you all that I am and all that I have promised and all that I purpose. I give myself away to you. It is the essence of love. He gave his name. And in the name, that again, to the Hebrew thought, the name of a person was who they truly were. 
the name contained all that they had promised, all that they had in their track record, all their purposes that they would be. It was all wrapped up in the idea of their name. And so God says, here I am. I'm giving my very self to you. He never gives a formula. He doesn't just give a long list of rules. He gives us himself. And himself is love. And this is the beginning of living a life that is unshakable in the midst of chaos and distress. It's a relationship. Relationship. And when we say relationship, what do we mean? It's important we know what it means. Because so many of us are familiar with the formulas. We're familiar with someone saying, if you do this and do this, you'll get that. And that's why we're familiar with the idea of walking forward in meetings or putting up our hand, because that's the beginning of working out the formula. And when I say relationship, I, I know many people say, well, what's, well, how does that work? Relationship. Relationship, the relationship that we have between human beings um, when carried to its unlimited height, it is the relationship between God and his people that I'm talking about. Relationship begins with giving. If you truly are relating to another human being, it begins in you as giving. If I, I were to put a, a, an action or a symbol to relational love it would be my arms are open i am giving in fact i'm becoming very vulnerable because i'm exposing my heart it begins you cannot have a relationship with anyone that you are trying to get something out of relationship begins with you giving yourself giving that that's relationship but also it, it moves into receiving, and for some that's very difficult to receive. Um, but relationship is love that gives, but also love that joyfully receives that which is given, and given a sheer grace that is, I can't earn it. And that's where people um, have problems. They insist on trying to earn it. But, but this relationship is God is giving, giving himself away. And we are the receivers, not by any works of righteousness that we would do, but he gives, and he gives because that's who he is. And so we receive with joyful thanks and wonder and awe, and we never fully get over it. But that does something inside of us, that as we receive the love of God and the Holy Spirit really connects, pours out that love within us, then relationship is a response. We love, says Scripture, because we, He first loved us. He who is love poured His love into the world, into us, and that causes in us a response and we love with the same love with which we are loved relationship it's um it's coming 
from love, 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 but love produces trust. The heart of every relationship is trust. I, I, I dare to believe I'm loved. I, I dared to receive that love. And then timidly, maybe at first, but I, I respond to that love and begin to walk in the relationship and share my life, open up my heart, become vulnerable to, to him because we trust. And that's why the Christian life is said to be one of faith, which is another trust is in the same family as that because the essence of faith is that trust. You, you, you just give yourself to this person that you're beginning to know, but it's come to a point you can trust them. That's relationship. He is the only truth in a world that has been fashioned by the liar and lies. Our God is truth. And he came to us in Jesus who assured us, I am the truth. And that truth is that he loves us. And we respond to and we trust in the truth and we receive the love of God, and relationship has begun. He's not my master, there's a sense in which he is, but he's my love master. We, we serve him because he loves us, but he's not master in churning out rules. We, we respond to his love. We don't get up in the morning to say, no, I've got to do this and got to do that in order to please God. But we get up and we say, here I am, Lord. I'm walking in your love and I'm walking in you. You see, it's relationship. Now, says David, I, I made a choice. In the middle of all this crazy world, he said, I made a choice. I have, I have set the Lord before me. I have set the Lord before me. And that, that's a choice. And I must emphasize that because when I speak of the giving of God, I wouldn't want to give any idea that we are sort of robots where we, we just receive his love by default. Relationship demands two people. It demands two people that interact. And this incredible God he initiated this from unbeginning out from his own love self. He initiated. But then we respond. David said, I have set the Lord before me. It's a choice. It's a choice. Faced with life, faced with situations, faced with not only the bad stuff, but faced with opportunities and challenges we choose and continue to choose that we will walk in this love relationship and we will draw our strength from that love and we will trust our God lover in whatever situation we find ourselves. This expression, I have set, um, it, it's, let me tell you, it's a difficult one to put into English. And if any of you are Hebrew scholars, you will know that. And um, I just want you to know I know that too. And yet as I meditate upon this, 
I realize there's a, a massive truth here. Let me tell you, first of all, what this means. I have said uh, it, it could begin by, by meaning to set a focus. I'm focused on the Lord. I'm focused on Him. But it has the meaning of agree with or maybe better aligned to in accord with, in line with. Do, do, do you hear what I'm saying here? It, it, it's the idea of a balance that uh, this is not an out-of-whack focus. I am focusing on Him, not just with my eyes, but focusing on Him with my very heart, my very being. I'm in alignment. I'm saying the Amen. I believe Him to be the truth. And so there's the, the balance, and there's one way we could translate this word as equivalency, um, that I, I am trusting him, and it, it brings me into line with him, and into alignment with him. In fact, it brings my very innermost heart to my spirit, brings my mind, my, my thought life and the flow of my thoughts, my emotions, which are the first to be hit by the tsunami of what's happening around us. And my body, and I, I know many persons who, that they have the anxiety reaching into their body with actual shaking, which of course speaks directly to shall not be shaken, cold sweats, um, upset stomachs or knots in our stomach, insomnia and so on. Well, it brings all my life, the totality of me, into alignment with who he is. So it's not only focusing as I'm an outside object, but it is bringing the entirety of my being into balance with, with who he is, with his name love and all that comes out of love his goodness his provision his protection his caring his compassion brings my life into alignment with that you know this is really the first lines of what we call the lord's prayer there is so much more to that prayer than just saying it um like religious robots. Um, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's the first couple of lines of what we call the Lord's Prayer. Jesus taught us this is how you pray. Now, what, what is happening here? The prayer, the one who now is coming to pray, Jesus said, before you rush in with all your requests and needs, just settle in to who he is and therefore who you are. And so he, he's bringing me into focus and he's reminding me that through Jesus and by the Holy Spirit I have been brought into dare I say the words, alignment with him. And I recognize he is Father. 
which evokes all the thoughts of love and provision and protection and care. And he's our father. He's mine. He's yours. And he's in heaven. That is, he's in the God dimension, which is over and above this earth dimension. And so I am deliberately shutting off all that's happening around me and I'm zeroing in, I'm setting my heart, I'm setting my inner eyes upon him who is Father. In fact, so intimate is this love that he has, as we've said many times before, it's Abba. Father there in the Hebrew is Abba, which, which as I've said, means Daddy. It, it, it means Father because there, there is that, that element of respect in it that continues to the end of your days. Um, a son, a daughter would say Abba when they're, they're 40 years old and, and that it would carry the respect and the honor they're giving. But the closest we have to the word is Abba, Daddy, and and we, you see, everything is crashing in on me, and and, and the telephone is ringing, and and, and every, every word that I'm hearing on the street is despair and distress, and we zero into who He really is, and is right now, and therefore, who I am, because our Father who is in heaven, is also saying, I'm your child. And if my father, my origin of life is in heaven, then I too now am a heavenly creature. And I'm seated in heavenly places, far above all that's happening in the darkness. And then he almost says the same thing, only in New Testament language. He said, hallowed be your name. Hallowed is an old, old English word that means to revere. It means to stand in awe of. It, 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 it means to obey because if you confess that he is the truth and is the only truth and he is love and I trust him, then obedience is a natural that follows. I obey that love uh, I obey his good news to me. Hallowed be your name. We're, we're saying there is no other name that is higher than his name. We're, we are saying that he is far above every name that is named on this earth. Therefore, what, what is anxiety? Anxiety is fearing or giving the highest place to some name on this earth. Whether it's the name job or whether it's the name economy or whether it's the name salary or, or, or whether it's the name of a certain sickness. But we, we have put that name above all other names and we're trembling before its malicious power. Well, hallowed be your names as I place your name above every other name. It, it means that I, I do not fear the names of earth because above all I give reverence to your name, that, that you are my life and you are my health and my healer, you are my provider, you are my protector, you are compassion itself. 
That's what he was doing. I've set the Lord, the name of God, Yahweh. I've set the Lord before me. Set your name. I, I, I tell you, um, number one, you should be asking yourself the question, not out of guilt, but out of a desire to grow in grace. Ask yourself a question based on what I just said. That in any situation, specifically in the one you're in now, do you fear the names of the things that are oppressing you? Or do you give honor and reverence to the name, the name of God who is love, which in the New Testament, Jesus said, the name is, is now understood and known, revealed as Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And that name is revealed in Jesus Christ. So in this situation, let's stop a minute. In this situation that you find yourself right now, which name do you fear? That is, which name do you give honor to? Which name do you revere above all others? The name of that which is oppressing you? Or the name... Father and Son and Holy Spirit revealed in Lord Jesus Christ. I said to somebody the other day, if, if you want to know your, uh, a playback of your spiritual condition, read through your Facebook page for the last two weeks. It's amazing. I, you know, I'm old school, can't help it. I just am. Um, you know, I came from the days before there were telephones. And so uh, Facebook, I've never really gotten into it. But, but I do read some of that. And it's amazing. People put their very deepest thoughts right out there for everybody to read from here to New Zealand. And um, much of what is there on the pages of Christians... They act, they're talking, they're writing as if, well, I won't say any more, but I think you get the point. It's time we asked ourselves, have I set the name of God before me? Now, I, I said in setting the name, Yahweh, the covenant name of God, which is now revealed in Jesus through the Spirit, I, I said, the name I, I set this, it, it, it realizes a balance, even an equivalency. It's an equivalency of the covenant. For when persons entered into covenant, two parties who in love are going to be bound together, where there is giving and receiving, then everything that was the possession within the abilities and the strength of the one now also are to be shared by the other. And likewise, the two have become functionally one. So that if God has entered into covenant with the human, with you and I, then it means all that he is is given to us in Jesus Christ. That is amazing. Did, did you 
Remember reading in Romans 8 where it says that we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. It means that in terms of the riches of the glory of God, we have a shared bank account with Jesus. For the covenant means that, that all that God is, he now has given to us and we are available to him. That's really the meaning of faith and trust. That, I say it again, is amazing. You realize I've been preaching this for 60 plus years and it still gives me goosebumps. This is incredible that he gives himself away to us. That when we say God so loved you, yeah, how can I put this? God so loved us and loved you that he willed to look at us and see himself. He would put his very self, he would give himself away into us so that he would look at us and see himself and there would be some kind of equivalency by grace that who he is is now manifest in me, in you. Yes, this is as crazy as it sounds, but it's the gospel. And David certainly is one of the best examples in the scripture of it. And, and we've shared it before, where he says over and over again in different contexts uh, in the Psalms, the Lord is my, the Lord being the name that we're looking at in this text. So he says, the Lord, all he is, all that God is, the Lord is my, and then he would fill in the blank, depending on the situation. So the Lord is my light. When I'm surrounded by darkness, he said, the, the Lord is my salvation. When I need someone to deliver me, the Lord is my strength. When I feel my weakness, the Lord is my shield around me. The, the Lord is, is my sword. The, the Lord is my high rock where my enemies cannot touch me. I could keep going, couldn't I? You know the Psalms, they're all over the place. But do you see what I'm saying? This was one of the first things God ever showed me about this life in the Spirit. The Lord, in all his fullness, God... And God revealed in Jesus, God coming to me in the Holy Spirit. God, the Lord, is. So this isn't something that's got to be earned by a long list of doings, and so it will be one day whenever I do. But no, is, which means the Lord has already ised this. And it is trust that receives in this relationship. The Lord is my. So everything I've just said about the Lord is now wrapped up inside of me so I can say it's my. The Lord is my strength. Well, whose strength is it then? If it's the Lord who is David's strength, then it's the Lord's strength. But David says the Lord is my strength. Yes, 
that is the extent of this union. When David set the Lord before him, he looked at the Lord as in a mirror of the grace of God. That as he looked at the Lord, he saw that that Lord was made manifest in him. And all that he could bring to this relationship was emptiness and weakness. But the Lord brought to the relationship his fullness. Hmm. You know, we only know who we are by looking fully at our covenant God in and through Jesus. I know myself by knowing who God is. For who God is is what he has accomplished for me and in me. And therefore, to know myself begins by knowing him and trusting him. And I suppose you could go on, of course. I've set the Lord before me. He's my goal. Or as Paul would say, Christ who is my life. He's my direction. He's all of that. It's what today we would call a flight plan. It's where we're going in life, where we're going. And, well, it's all summed up. For me to live is Christ. We set the Lord. There's something very, God, it's like putting a, 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 a stake in the ground and then putting in the concrete. It's not going to move. I have set the Lord. Set the Lord before me. I suppose that's really where the battle is joined because the distractions and it says I said this is where the real temptation is that we, we that stuff that's going on is shared by the world because of the way the ideologies of the world today whether we're in the far east or in the western world um, this is the way it's going but um but the temptation is in the middle of it with its oppression that we're distracted by it. And, and we set the problem, we set the oppression before our eyes. And, and that, then we feel we're, we're, we're alone and we, 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 we don't know where to turn for the strength. And we can be distracted by the conversations of our neighbors. They should be distracted by our conversation and ask of us a reason for the hope that is within us. But too often it's the other way around. And we're sucked into their conversations of hopelessness and despair like falling into a swamp. No. He said, I have set the Lord before me. This expression, before me, in his language, it means to do so conspicuously. It means, I've set the Lord before me conspicuously. I'm not, I, I don't whisper behind my hand about this. This is the only way to explain me. This is not just a, a hobby that I have that I do in the basement. This is how that you understand me. This is how you can define my life and the way I work. This is not something that is hidden in my life. Or as Jesus almost quoting this idea, when he said that you, you're a city set on a hill, 
uh, and you're the light of the world and you don't get a light and then put the jolly thing under the bed, do you? If you buy a light, you put it on the night table to light up the room. You follow me? Jesus says you, you're, you stand in this world and you can't be missed because you, you can't get involved in the, where, the way and the where your neighbor's conversations are going. You see, your neighbor has no hope outside of their own initiatives. No hope. And when they use the word hope, you know, when they do it in, in terrible days of trauma, they say, well, all we can do now is hope. Uh, and their, their very tone tells you they've announced their hopelessness. The only persons on the planet who can hope are believers who are resting in Jesus, who is our hope. No, we, th this word before him, it, it's, th this is indeed our life. And it doesn't mean I'm going to uh, mug my neighbors by being obnoxious telling them how stupid they are. No, no, no. It's just I can't, I can't enter into their conversation except to quietly share the fact of my hope in God. He is my Lord God, Father, and, and therefore my rest is in Him and my trust is in Him, whichever way these things go. It, it, it's... In fact, when you are having to deal with these issues alone, when you're dealing with your own anxieties, this word before me, I've set the Lord before me, would indicate that you say these things out loud. You declare aloud that he is your father, he is your provider, he is the one in whom you trust. I don't mean to shout. I didn't mean that. Because I find the louder people shout, the more afraid they really are. No, this is very quiet and confident faith. You're quietly trusting your father that can never say you nay. But I think it's got to get outside of your head, because inside our head it's like a bedlam. But, but we say it and it comes out. And in saying it, our ears listen to what we're saying. And... We, we find strength. When I used to travel, I often, because um, now I'm going back a few decades, but it was when you had the phones that were hanging on the wall at airports and shopping malls and things. And, and I would go and I would pick up the phone and I would converse with my Heavenly Father. And, and people thought I was on the phone, but of course I... I I was able then to say it out loud. I, I was able to speak and, and hear myself speak and declare thus who I am and who he is and that he is in me and he is with me and he's ahead of me, he's behind me, he's under me, he's over me, he's around me. Yeah, he is He's my guide through this darkness. He is the path. He is the map. And as you set the Lord before you, as you declare who He is, 
the distractions and even the darkness itself loses its energy and strength. And in that moment, it, the darkness is actually in process of fleeing away, to use Isaiah's statement. It, it's fleeing. It's going away. Just to, to say it, you know, our Father, who is in heaven, honored, revered, obeyed be your name which is above every name. Let your kingdom come into this moment. Let your will be done here. And anything that is not allowed in heaven be not done here. You know, just to say that and you feel all the clawing of the fears of the flesh or all that is according to reason that is not rational, you come to the truth and you quietly declare the truth. And, and, and yeah. In fact, this expression, before me, in the New Testament, it takes on an even deeper meaning. It's used in, in the epistles. Um, and it says, we are before him. And, and that idea is face to face, even cheek to cheek. It means the closest presence of love. It declares we belong together. We are in each other. Not merely to look at, but someone that we are inner related to. And then quickly, let me say, he said, he, you, the Lord, you're at my right hand. Again, that's a place of honor. You read a lot in the scripture uh, on the right hand. It, it means a place of honor, but also your right hand in the scripture, not necessarily with every person physically, but the right hand is a synonym for the hand of your strength. So what he's saying here, you are my right hand. You are my right hand. It, it means you, you had the place of honor, the number one place in my life, but also I, I'm surrendering the strength of my right hand to your right hand, that you are my strength. You're my strength. And right hand, I mean, you couldn't get much closer than your hand. He says, we, we are one together, together and he said and I, I haven't been quoting this word I'll leave it for now he said I have set the Lord continually before me that's interesting this isn't a, a one lifetime decision this goes on every day um, this word continually is best illustrated what, what did he mean by that well the word is used elsewhere in the Old Testament to describe the daily morning and evening burnt offering in the temple. So every day, the priest would have to offer a morning sacrifice and then an evening sacrifice and then get ready for tomorrow morning's morning sacrifice and so on. And the word used continuously describes that. It said that the burnt offering morning and evening every day is to be continuous, continually. So 
it means yeah you begin a certain way of life but then it is interjected throughout your life as necessity demands and so it means that as life unfolds whatever that life is i have set the lord before me he is my compass north and i i, I never abandon the compass and so i hear this i hear that and this becomes a new law and this becomes a new oppression and this is a new kind of darkness and i i have set the lord continuously before me sometimes you're back in what shall i say actualizing this deliberately realizing this intentionally looking to the lord you're back more than once in an hour sometimes three four times in an hour you're back just to turn your whole being toward him because remember there's only one temptation and that is that you forget who he is and forget therefore who you are and you're seduced and you're distracted it's time to reset without guilt and recognize i've set the lord before me he he, he is the one who directs my life it's a choice you see it's a choice you know i have mentioned before um that, that verse in john chapter 14 and um i i want to again quote it to you in the amplified version we know it as let not your heart be troubled but the amplified version which perfectly may i say brings out the meaning of the greek language he says let not that is stop allowing yourself to be agitated and disturbed do not permit yourself to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled it's a choice that's why david said i have set i made the choice and i implement that choice many times a day we choose we choose and as what okay you're in the middle of anxiety even as you came to listen to me today you you're churning with anxiety within you and jesus says stop stop that do not allow that that means immediately immediately that is do not debate and reason with your anxiety don't start preaching to your anxiety your anxiety stinks it, it your anxiety it it, it it comes from a bad place and, and there's no way you can reason with it debate it or even rebuke it no not, none of that please you don't argue with your anxiety you, you don't say you've got to stop doing this you've got to stop doing this don't be then you'll get anxious over not being able to stop anxiety and and flesh logic says but, but, but look at this this is only logical and, and all the memories of your ancestors stored in your genes they come piling up and say this is ridiculous it's not common sense it's been common sense for generations don't let us down now by your nonsense you you it's only common sense it's only rational it's logical no you don't don't go there don't argue 
don't argue. You will be moved. You will be shaken if you so do. But rather you go directly to set the Lord before you. And that may be in many ways. It ends up somehow in praise and worship. What I illustrated a few moments ago in our Father who is in heaven, revered and honored and obeyed be your name and so on. That is an act of praise and worship because you are declaring you are who you say you are. Therefore, you have achieved in me what you said you achieved in me. And your name is to be honored and revered and so on. But it may be that you will say, depending The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. And so on. Psalm 27 there. Or you might go, the Lord is my shepherd. And so on. But but it is a moving away from the anxiety. Very deliberately. Not allowing that any further space in your head and replacing it with the truth of God, whatever that is, for the moment. What does the moment demand? And to recognize that whatever it is that you are resting into, this is your now relationship to him. And it may be that having rehearsed before him who he is to you you might go straight back and do it again and again and again and don't get caught up in that nonsense that you can't keep repeating things to God if it's full of content and full of the spirit you can do the same thing all night as you sink into it like sinking into a hugging mattress His arms are around you and you sink deeper and deeper into the familiar words. And you will not be shaken. And as I've said, that means to the Hebrews' anxiety. It also meant stumble. It also meant to slide, as in falling in the ice. It means to be disoriented, to at least momentarily be lost. You don't know where you are, what's up. Well... You set the Lord before you continuously and you will not be shaken, says the scripture. You will not stumble. You will not slide. You'll not go sprawling on your face. You will not be disoriented and wonder what on earth is happening and where I am. For you will have found the very center of life himself and you in him and he in you. There's... A couple of illustrations of this, and then I'll finish. But uh, Psalm number three is the best. I've talked about that so often. David begins, it was when Absalom, his son, was coming to kill him and take his throne. And everybody had joined with Absalom. Everybody, I mean. So that the word on the street, the word in the corridors of the palace... David records and he says, many, many, many are saying of my soul, there is no hope for him in God. Everybody was saying it on the street corner in every Starbucks and every shopping mall. 
They were saying it in whispers behind their hands and others were saying it gloatingly, but they're saying the old man's finished. There's no hope for him in God. It's time for change of the God. Get some new faces in here. David's done with. David heard that and he reported it to the Lord. This is what they're saying about me. And believe me, he knew the pressure and the fears attached to those words. And they're, they're leaving. He's a refugee out of his own nation. And he writes Psalm number three, right at that time. And do you remember what he says? Having reported it, this is what everybody is saying. This, the air is like pea soup filled with these words. There's no hope for him in God. And then he says, but, but thou, O Lord, that you, O Lord, are a shield about me. You are my glory. You are the lifter of my head. Do you understand what I'm saying now? This is distraction all around me. And this is what everybody's saying. I can't talk to my neighbor without hearing the same thing. So he focuses. He centers. He sets the Lord before him and says, I know what everyone's saying. I know what my worst fears in the basement of my being, like a rat gnawing in the cellar. I, I, yeah, there's no hope. He said, but I center on you. You, oh Lord, you are my shield from all that they're saying and all that my own son wants to do to me. You you are my glory. My son has stripped me of my palace and all that I have, but you are my glory. You are the lifter, the encourager of my head. I hope that illustration helps you. And I'm going to finish on that note. <laughs>